and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not. The sea grew wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord as God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath me barred me in heaven forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who claim to worthless idols run, turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, I know what you're thinking. What on earth can we learn about the story of Jonah about dreaming? Surely the story of Jonah is all about running away from God and then running into God's mercy. And that is true. But today my prayer is that we would maybe discern something a little bit different from the text. Um, about Jonah that really might help us as we enter into this season uh, of dreaming with God. And the first thing to say is Jonah absolutely has a dream. He was a seasoned prophet of the word. In fact, Jonah believed himself to be a prophet to the chosen race of the Israelites. So he really had this great calling on his life. He would have been taught and trained exactly for that purpose. He carried authority. He was trained to listen and to identify the Spirit of God. He had God-given assignments to get up, to go, and to preach the messages that the Lord had given him. And when we start to dream with God, like Jonah, we will be given God-given assignments that we can choose to discover, to pursue, and to step into. And I remember um, back in 2015, when God began to sort of speak to Andy and I, mostly me, avoid planting a church. That's what he would say if he was standing here. Um, but I guess by the time that we had heard God's voice clearly, we began to realise that actually God had been preparing our hearts for Lorne and the Antrim Coast area for quite a while beforehand. And there had just been lots of things that had happened that at the time we just didn't really think of in that way. And Andy and I had both ended up working in Lorne and that was really unexpected actually. Andy was trained as a teacher for secondary school and he'd been subbing after he finished his training so he found himself subbing in a primary school in Lorne. My contract for one of my jobs was in Carrick and one day my boss just approached me and said do you, you fancy also working a day in Lorne? And I was like yeah okay great we'll see if we can sort out the childcare. And then I started another contract and um, it's been about a year after that which was based in Lorne, it was based out of the Royal Hospital. And so there was a period in time, way before 2015, where in the morning Andy and I left for work, once we'd sorted the kids out, 
we both left Carrick, we drove to Lauren, we did a day's work and we came back. And so when I was preparing this, I was thinking, although the time did come when God was speaking to us and we could sense that, we could hear that, God had in fact been laying these foundations for some time before, only we just weren't thinking of them in that way. And eventually God did, did give Andy a permanent teaching post in Lorne, and I'm still working in Lorne as well. So right now, as Carrick Vineyard leans into dreaming into this season, I gently encourage you to pay attention to where you are, who you're with, and what you begin to notice around you. God is always up to something, and he uses all of these small things, some bigger things, to help us to listen to his voice. I always think how generous God is. I wonder, had we noticed that God was placing us in Lord before it was more obvious, would we have tried to go in the opposite direction, like Jonah? Who knows? Clearly, Jonah had been all up for God's call on his life until God called him to go to Nineveh. And sometimes, as part of what we're dreaming with God, he does call us to go to hard places and he calls us to do hard things in those places. And some of those places might feel really uphill. But I was reminded of that verse in Isaiah 52, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. So just keep that in your mind. Church planting is about dreaming dreams for a particular place or a particular group of people. And then from that dream, casting vision so that there are a means by which the dream can be realized with God. And from the early days, our hearts were broken for the Antrim Coast area. Once we started working there, we began to hear stories and just be with people, hearing people talking. And it was it was difficult. I can remember one particular time when I was at work, I, I do a lot of antenatal education and um, classes and groups, and I just heard two mummies sitting talking, and they were talking about a girl who had taken her own life, and really it was because she couldn't get away from Lauren. And they then sat and had this whole conversation about how awful Lauren was, how difficult it was. And like, I was, I was, I had to leave the room and I was crying in the corridor. I was trying to get myself back together so I could go, you know, and just, just carry on with this antenatal class. And the class didn't carry on. I went back in and I just said, like, tell me about, tell me about what it's like for you to live here. And they told me a lot of the things that are the same sort of things in Carrick Fergus about paramilitaries and drugs and just all sorts of things, broken homes and broken families and all of that. And I remember just thinking, wow, like this is this, this is this is hard. This is a really, really hard place. And so our dreams were for transformation, salvation, restoration and healing. And we were praying for bodies and buildings and businesses to be made well again, for the landscape to be changed beyond recognition. And we had been part of this church for six years before that. And we had seen lots of the things that I am describing now in Carrick Fergus. But even then, that was just scratching the surface of what's still to come in this place. And I fully believe that with my whole heart. And from 2015, the dreaming started. From 2017, we really began to dream. And we would have talked to Paul and Chantelle. And we had, had gathered a small group and we prayed. You know, our expectations were really super high about what God could do, even through Andy and I, which, which seemed like a massive task. And we shared the dream of Antrim Coast Vineyard uh, here, well, in the school in June 2018. And we had a video to help us launch it, which was really to say that we were starting in the following October. And it had these words. 
What are you dreaming of for the place where you call home? Imagine what it might look like if the dreams for where you live, for your community and your family came to life. And we filmed it on Drains Bay, which was one of our favourite places we had been coming to with the kids for quite a long time. So there's a photograph there um, of myself and the three kids, and that's in 2012. And that's in the same wee spot in Drains Bay. Sorry, you wouldn't have mentioned photos. Um, um, and that's the same spot that we are quite often, probably the same rocks, that we know we're still sitting there. And to be honest, when that photo was taken, Erin was a few months old. It wasn't very long after we'd started even coming to this church. We barely even knew anything about church planting like, at all. It's not something we were familiar with. And it's not something we really knew anything about. And then in October 2018, we got um, going and we started this physical planting of the church with a small team from here, including uh, Mark and Carol, who I know many of you know. Um, and then another couple had joined the group as well, called Rick and Ruth. And they had been dreaming themselves of a church that you know, they could call home for them and their family. And then 2019, Andy and I moved. We left Park Fergus and we bought a house and we moved to Lorne. And in the September of that year, we, we moved to start Sundays. And now when I look back, it, it wasn't the most straightforward year. It, it was actually quite tough. You know, we kept going and we kept showing up. We kept doing all the things that we knew, to do, knew that we needed to do and we got through it. We gathered a few more families and we started, we had started two small groups by the October. And we did wonder what would the second year bring. Probably it's just as well that we didn't know that there was a bit of a storm coming uh, for all of us. And then after the church had celebrated its first birthday, things were really hard then. And now I look back at those couple of months coming up to Christmas and I think they were more difficult than we probably even realised ourselves for lots of different reasons. And we were really weary and I felt really tired. And January and February of 2020 were more of the same. We persevered, we kept resilient, we kept hope in our hearts, even though that kind of felt hard sometimes. And we kept on dreaming in the dream, which is really, really important because as you're moving into what God calls you into, sometimes you forget about why you're doing it and, and you get caught up in all the things that need to happen. It's so important to just keep on going to the Lord, keep dreaming on in the dream. And then there was all these just questions that started coming our way in that time. You know, and our, our, our kids weren't that settled. There was voices from other people, negative voices from ourselves, questioning everything, our calling, our ability, the dream, was it real? Could people not believe in the dream? Was it all a big mistake? Could God ever do anything and learn? How could we carry on with this dream? It just felt so difficult. And then all of a sudden there was this thing called coronavirus. Churches might have to stop gathering for about six weeks was what the initial. And I want to be honest and tell you, I was relieved. And I've spoken to loads of pastors and leaders who said that those couple of months before COVID were really, really difficult. And so it's not that I was relieved that there was not going to be church meeting in person or any of those things. It was just that idea that the foot could come off the pedal for six weeks. Now, I didn't know then. I'd become a technology and IT expert with YouTube and so on. I hadn't thought of that at this time. But it was just that sense of, well, you know, this dreaming with God, this is really, really tough and I need a wee bit of time out. So all of those questions were swirling around. And on Jonah's boat, headed for Tarshish, they were in the midst of this storm. 
The sailors were weary and afraid and they kept asking Jonah all of these questions. And we've read that in chapter 1, verse 8. Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And at this point, Jonah was in a bad way. And he knew if he stayed in the boat, they would probably all die together. And he knew if the sailors threw him off, well, he would probably die alone. And in verse 9, Jonah answers the question. And he says, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. The sailors asked Jonah five questions, but Jonah only gives them one answer. Five questions, one answer. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And this answer that Jonah gives, it's full of authority. It's so confident. And I know that's something that you've been thinking about already this morning. Jonah gives this confident, confident answer. And it's almost like as soon as Jonah says it, Jonah himself, he has an immediate awareness of the authority that the name of the Lord brings. In that moment, as Jonah speaks the name of the Lord, what comes to him was a revelation of the sovereignty of God. And the sovereignty of God means that as believers, we understand that God is the supreme authority over all things. And when we start to dream with God, that's really going to help us if we can hold on to this truth. God is the supreme authority over all things. And when Jonah spoke the authority of the name of the Lord out loud, the wisdom of the Lord came with it. And so in that moment, and even I've read this text, I've read other versions, Jonah is very calm. In the moment, Jonah knew exactly what he had to do. And God reminded Jonah that had he kept trusting God with his dream of proclaiming the message, wherever God sent him, then he wouldn't have been on the boat literally drowning in the questions of the sailors. Of course, the pandemic did not last for six weeks, as we all now realise. And the questions kind of came and went for me, as they did for many of us. And we got through it, as did many of us. But it was really tough, and I'm sure it was really tough for lots of us here in all sorts of ways. Many dreams felt like they were dashed. Many things that we've been praying for or hoping for, things that we've been dreaming with God, they just felt like they were hopeless, and we just didn't know what was going on. I said to Paul and Chantel recently, once we got the YouTube channel up and going, I say we, it was mostly Ethan, uh, my son, because I did not have a clue. Um, honestly, he set it all up for us. Um, and so once we got that going and we were at it, we were doing Zooms um, and then we would record the Zoom and the talk and then we would put those onto our YouTube channel. And actually, it was great. Like, the Zoom kept us connected as a church and we need to be so grateful, don't we, for some of the aspects of technology. We met and we saw each other week to week in, in person, virtually, whatever it's called these days. But whenever we got the YouTube channel going, um, Ethan said to me, was there any, we could add on other or older videos? And I was like, oh yes. And he said, what about the launch video? And so we were sitting one day with the iPad and we were putting the, the, the launch video that I said a minute ago about onto the YouTube channel. And I hadn't seen it for ages. So this was maybe in, must have been in sort of April time, I suppose. And I heard those words again, what are you dreaming of for the place that you call home? Like it just it broke me. I couldn't listen to it. I left the room. 
I just was so upset. I was like, God, if I knew there was going to be a pandemic, like we would never have planted this thing. This is just awful. You know, and all I could do in those moments was just cry out to Jesus. And I know loads of us did that over and over, and that's all I could do. And just calling on the name of the Lord over and over was pretty much how many of us stayed dreaming with God. It's all we could do. All we could do was say his name. We couldn't do much else at times. You know, I remember one afternoon in lockdown, just lying on the living room floor and just crying and crying and just, I couldn't get any words out. It just was, just felt so awful. I was just crying out to God. And I think it's just that whole mixture of things, which was the same for all of us, so no matter where you've been. You know, trying to plant a church was being redeployed at work to work in clinics with full PPE. We were trying to put roots down as a family during a pandemic. And I think there were just days that I ran out of words. And Andy will say I'm not quiet very often, but I became very quiet for a couple of months. And I love that Jonah's declaration, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. It fully acknowledges that the God who is present in the storm is the same God that rescues us from it. And then we read, of course, that Jonah is eventually thrown overboard. And rather than drowning, he does spend three nights alone in the big fish. So I was like, I was going to say, and he spends three nights in the such and such hotel, but no, he spends three nights alone in the big fish. And I'm guessing for many of us here, we can probably compare our experience of the pandemic to Jonah's experience of being in the belly of the whale. And many of us here will have, or currently experiencing other really difficult things that happened before the pandemic, that happened five years ago or 10 years ago. And in those times, we felt like we were in the dark. We felt like we were alone. We felt like there was no obvious way out. And I think of Jonah in the whale. I've since found out in all my research that big whales, they don't vomit very often, okay? Now, he probably didn't know that, but I guess he thought he was just going to be in the belly of the whale. And I wonder, did he ever somehow try to get up near them and then didn't happen, you know? So who knows? We can really overthink this stuff. But probably Jonah felt that there was really was no obvious way out. And you can hear that when we read in chapter 2, his prayer is just praying and praying and calling out to God. And there'll be times here where we just feel like we were wronged or robbed or times where our dreams were just shattered, our lives were shattered. And probably a season where we thought the dream was over. Or maybe we wondered, would we ever dream again? Maybe that's where we're at right now. We're wondering what to do. Maybe we've been listening for this past few weeks about dreaming and we're just like, that's not for me. I, I just, I'm not there. I can't do that anymore. But maybe we could start by Jonah's declaration. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and who made the dry land. God is present in the storm, but as we read later with Jonah, he's present in the rescue. And God did remove Jonah from the belly of the whale, and Jonah did carry on prophesying the word of God. His future did include going to Nineveh after all of that, and he did help to bring salvation to those people. And when I think about Jonah's initial when he was dreaming with God but then realised God was asking him to do something and he wasn't too fussed about it, you know, Jonah did, he kept on dreaming and after everything that happened he was still dreaming with God and he went back to Nineveh but the dream did not look like what he had first imagined. And a few months ago I was listening to a podcast, our friend um, Andy Masters from Lagan Valley Vineyard. And he said this, I'm fed up with a gospel that says, come to Jesus and your dreams will come true. 
And then he talked quite a bit about what he meant by that. But dreaming with God is not the same as having our dreams come true, like in a film, or, or what we maybe thought of or imagined. And he actually went on to say that the things that God told him to do, he did in obedience, but they have not turned out anything like that he thought they would. And most importantly, he said, and yet it is everything that God said. And that really helped me, actually. I heard that recently. It wasn't what he thought, but it was still everything that God had said. And I hope that helps you this morning. When we were planting the church, one of the things that we were dreaming of was going to baptise people at Ballygally Beach. I don't know, but it just seemed to be the, where we would go. Um, and it's kind of, Ballygally is kind of between Lorne and Glenarm, so it sort of felt like a sort of central place. But God has other ideas. And in August 2020, uh, one of the girls in our church had started going to a rowing club, which was nearby. And reluctantly, I went along. Like, I did not have a clue how to row boats or row anything, to be honest. And um, I remember we got out of her car, I was nervous, and I did not know any of these people. And we went, I went over, and I looked over, and the slipway was over um, to my left. And it just immediately, like immediately, I just saw people being baptised in my mind. I had a very, very clear picture. And I was just like, and the girl that was with me, I wasn't quite sure, like, should I say anything? So anyway, I did, I'm not sure. I did say at some point, I didn't say at the time. And I got, I was, I'd been part of the rowing club. I got to know people. I got to know the captain and with a great relationship. Some people at the rowing club started coming to our church, which was really amazing. Some of them hadn't been at church for a long time. Um, and then, <coughs> Last Sunday we actually had our second baptism service at the slipway, which was really, really wonderful. So it's not what we thought, but it's still what God said. God said that people would be baptised and that's still what happened. When we're dreaming with God, when we pursue his calling on our life, it may not be how or what we are always imagining, but it will still be what God said. And we need to be okay with that. God's ways are not our ways. And there was a cost for Jonah, as we've read, and there is for all of us. You know, God has placed my, me and my family and Andy in this stunning, I mean stunning, beautiful location. And God in his kindness has blessed us and our house, we can get to the beach in about five minutes. We're near the sea, we're near to places, um, you know, and lovely landscape. And all of that has really helped us as we partner with him in his dream for the Antrim coast. You know, to have that all so close to us. Andy and I love the sea. I, you know, we love being in Carrick near the sea and I'm just so grateful that God actually asked, did not ask us to plant a church somewhere else that wasn't near the sea because I think I would have missed that so much. And God in his kindness has given us things like that that have really helped us in those moments where the dream kind of felt hard or frustrating. Um, there's a photograph there of Drains Bay um, in 2021 of Ethan and Aaron, so we're still there all of the time. I really just love it. Um, the, photo, the quality of the photo has maybe improved <laughs> since the one in 2012. Pursuing a dream with God is a life pursuing the one that went to the cross. And there's a cost because the Christian life is shaped like a cross. Our family has experienced difficulties. The kids have found it difficult at times, navigating those changes, moving house, moving school, and moving church at the same time, that was hard. And as the parents who made those decisions, we've really, really wrestled with that, and I've had to bring that to God over and over and over. 
and the pandemic, which of course we could never foresee, that really exacerbated that. And there are aspects to dreaming, you know, and leading and all of that, stepping out into your calling that can tend to feel lonely. Jonah was certainly alone, not just physically in the story. There's very few conversations recorded right through the chapters, but also in his dream and his calling as a prophet, at the time where he's called to Nineveh, we don't read of anybody else around him or near him. And even this, the book of Jonah, it's written in the third person, but scholars are mostly agreed that Jonah wrote it himself. There didn't even seem to be anyone else to write his story for him. And do you know, guys, that's why we need people around us. We need people around us to pursue the dream that God has placed on our hearts. And likewise, if there are people around us whom God has placed a dream on their hearts, they need us around them. And that's what church is all about. Maybe if we're a part of the church here, we should think of ourselves as in either of those two, I was going to say boats, but we'll say camps, no more boat talk. You know, are we pursuing a dream with God? Or are we helping someone else to pursue their dream with God? And recently I've heard a lot, I've heard a lot over the pandemic, a lot of chat with leaders, there's a cost to following Jesus, there's a cost, there's a cost, and it's true. But I really believe that every single person here has the ability to reduce, to help reduce that cost for those who are saying yes to Jesus. We are the body of Christ. If it's not our own dream, even if we don't really love it or fully understand it, these are still the moments where we get to say yes to the kingdom of God breaking into the kingdom of darkness. We're the church. And I just don't think the cost needs to be as high as it is because Carrick Vineyard is a family. And with a family comes lots of highs and lows and joys and sorrows. But in this family, the Lord is at the head of the table, bringing everybody together. And I love the Carrick Vineyard values, especially community. It's up on the screen there. Sharing life together means lots of different things, but this is where the rubber really hits the road. You know, if we're acknowledging that dreaming with God, pursuing God and the calling that there is a cost, you know, that's true for every single person in this family, then we have a responsibility to, to do what we can to help to reduce that cost. Never assume that someone who's dreaming with God, who's stepping out, has any other support other than what happens within the church. Because sometimes they don't. Every situation is different, but I just feel there's always ways that we can really help to reduce the cost for that person or a couple or a family or whoever it is. You know, when people here step out and do things, love on their children. Take someone else's kids out one Sunday a month. Take them to your house. Take them to the zoo. Help people with lifts and transport. I think though we're not good at asking for help, sure we're not. You know, is someone here, or is there someone stepping out to do training? Help them, help them financially. Start a crowdfund for them. You know, pay for a date night for a young couple who are pursuing God and it's tough and they're working full time and there's loads of things going on. Stand with people. Dreaming within the body of Christ cannot mean wishing people well in their endeavors. You know, that, that's wonderful, lovely, good for you. Thankfully in church, we're pretty good at, we've got away from that sort of thing. We're part of their family. We have a role, we have a part to play. We're the vineyard, for goodness sake. We're not just a church, we're a movement. And it means that we don't stay static. We don't go to ground. We take ground. We dream of ground shaking and ground breaking. We're an army and we're extending God's kingdom together. On the first night that we planted in my talk, I said, we're not here to play nice church. And I've looked back at that and I thought, I wonder what that really sounded to people. 
And believe me, it would be easier, and Paul and Chantel will tell you, it's easier to just appear here on Sundays, do the thing, you know, sing a few songs, there's a great word, pick up, go home until next week. But that is not the dream, guys. That is not what it means, what it looks like to dream together. Dreaming in the kingdom means living life to the full as Jesus taught us. And that means dreaming in times of blessing and it means dreaming in times of battle too. But we're together, we're not alone. It's so good to remember that the enemy doesn't want us to dream with God. He doesn't want you to pursue your calling. He doesn't want you to step out into anything. He doesn't want you to be here in church. In fact, he just wants you to appear here now and again because that's good for him. The dreams that God has dreamed over our lives, then it's just they're longer, they're slower, they're not coming to fruition. And we're all about dreaming at Antrim Coast Vineyard and that's kind of what it's been like since the start. We have four values Dream, create, grow and give. And our value dream is we're a family who dreams together. And we believe God has a beautiful dream for the Antrim Coast area. And we look to partner with him in bringing that dream alive by demonstrating the extraordinary love of Jesus through our everyday lives. We believe God dreams great things for each of us. We're passionate about encouraging each other to discover what we're made for. You know, we're still all in for this. But I'm not sure that's where we're at. It takes time. I'm not sure, we're a family who is really moving forward and growing together, but the dreaming together can take a bit of time. The dreaming together takes people to say, this is my dream, this is my dream for this town, this is my dream for Carrick Fergus, this is the dream for my family, this is my dream for my employment, and all of those things. And let me tell you, around the time we got the keys in our hands to our We Rented building, which we've been in really since August time, we were at our lowest numbers since we started planting the church. And funny, in that time, like, we weren't worried. We weren't, we just said, right, God, you, you've given us keys to this building and we're giving them right back <laughs> because, you know, we're, we're stepping out here and it is renting things and all that, it's, it's, it's stepping out. And these are the moments where we remember that dreaming with God means being obedient. And success in the kingdom is not what happens when we do what God asks us to do. It's doing what God asks us to do no matter what happens. And that's different. And as a church planter and a kingdom dreamer with God, I keep telling myself that numerical growth is attractive, but spiritual growth is transformative. And through that transformation, that becomes attractive. Other people see that. And that's kind of where we've been landing really since January. And even though our numbers have been really growing since we started renting the building, which has been amazing, um, you know, we're, we're, that's, that's where we're at. We just want to grow and have that spiritual growth. And at the moment, we're leaning into discipleship. We're being obedient with that. And that has meant making some changes. And we're hoping to move forward in the autumn with small, small groups and like quite like up to about five people. And we're really, really excited about that. Not that long ago, a lady gave her life to Jesus. It was amazing. Friendships are being formed. There are all these cracks appearing in the hard ground that we've experienced. People are really stepping in out of faith. They're, like, they're just stepping forward. They're going for it in their homes, especially in their marriages. Some people are really growing up into leading, which is amazing. And there has been fruit from our life groups. In fact, coast men and coast women are too big now. They're, they can't be life groups anymore. And they have just naturally transitioned into ministries, which we had always prayed would be the case. 
Coast women really flourished in the lockdown time. We had women joining us from all over on the Zoom and it hasn't really stopped there. We started a gathering raise and we had the second one on Friday night for the women and we we're just inviting people who have a heart for community, for Lauren and the Antrim Coast to come in and speak. And so we had that on Friday. Um, and the girl that was speaking, oh, so many of the things that she said were the things that we thought, that we have prayed, you know. There's all these little, I've said, I've talked here before about joining the dots, but the Lord, there's dots around and we just need to ask God to help us to join the dots. We have a wonderful community aspect and it's really something. On Sunday mornings we literally can't get people to leave every week and so I know there's more to come. And I know Paul touched on this a few weeks ago, but there's only a certain amount of dreaming, I guess, can happen after church for coffee. You know, we need to open our homes. We need to make space to dream with other people. And just the last little bit I want to say, in Jonah 2.10, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And I have a picture here of Jonah, which I've taken from a storybook. Now, if I read that verse again, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. It's not the same. There's barely a picture anywhere where actually... You, you know, Possibly not going to appear in a children's story, but and that's the thing. Most photos of Jonah pictures, I mean, they're from children's stories. We use this story just to talk to children and not to adults. But I think it's a really good demonstration, a reminder. Um, it's pretty safe to assume after three days, Jonah was covered in all sorts of vomit. It would not have been a pretty sight. Whale vomit, a bit different. It contains ambergris, so don't know if you know this. There's a photo of it there, but it's pretty rare. And it contains this uh, aroma. And that piece there that you see on the screen was worth 50,000 pounds. And a couple in Lancashire found it. That's how precious it is because whales don't vomit very much, right? So for Jonah, he needed to be carried, didn't he? He was carrying into the next part of the dream. He was actually going to Nineveh. And so he needed, some, he needed the scent of the Lord, didn't he? I'm sure in the rough time he thought he might never recover, but actually the experience prepared him ready to fulfill his God-given destiny. Because when we finally emerge from whatever our belly of a whale scenario is, when we've cried out to God and he's helped us onto dry land, the scent that covers us is not the vomit of shame, it's not the vomit of guilt, it's not the vomit of disqualification from the dream. Jonah's lonely experience covered him <coughs> with the unmistakable, undeniable scent of God's grace. Maybe some of us here this morning feel that whatever happened in our past totally prevents us from dreaming with God again. And I'm here to say this morning that's not true. For each of us who's journeyed into a belly of a whale, whatever our whale is, we're not disqualified because the aroma of God's grace is so significant that it will help to carry us when we reach the dry land and into the next dream. Coming into land. I love Carrick Vineyard. I love this church. I love what God's doing. And it will forever be the home where the Lord brought two very tired and winded people who he rescued out of a pretty rough three years in the belly of a whale. And then after a little amount of time told them to go to Lorne. God dreams big dreams over Carrick Vineyard and all of you that are here. All of you online as well this morning. You're not, there's no disqualification. And I sense a time of acceleration that's coming for this church after a really, really difficult number of years. But God's aroma is all over this place. God's grace is poured out. It's freely for all of us who want it. 
And God dreams of setting the lonely in families. God dreams of healing, changing hearts. God dreams of restoration and dignity to broken homes in Carrickfergus. It's maybe likely that God dreams about Carrickfergus Vineyard planting in another church. Maybe you're not sure what it is that you're dreaming with God and that's okay. I just encourage you, I invite you to ask him. And it's time to get round those who are saying this is the dream, the ones that are ready to pioneer. We need to get round them as a community, reduce that cost. Ultimately, God dreams of lives lived out for him, as Chantelle said last week. Dreaming with God is not about what we do. It's about who we become in that process. Finally, I'll just say John, John and Debbie Wright said at the leaders' conference a few weeks ago, we have a mission, a purpose, and despite the cost, and despite the turmoil around us, we are called to step up with courage into this moment to serve each other and our communities. Dreaming has a cost, and there's turmoil all around, but we do it with the God who made the sea and the God who made the dry land. And I wonder this morning for Carrick Vineyard, is this a moment to step up into courage, to listen to his voice, to step into that obedience, to dream as a family, to dream about this town and what could be.